Welcome to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. I am your host, Joanne Boyce. On this podcast, we're going to discuss all things inclusive marketing, from persona creation, campaigns, and even some of the mishaps we see in the media. Tune in and let me know your thoughts on how we can make inclusive marketing the industry standard. Welcome back to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. I am your host, Joanne Boyce, and we're joined by our amazing team member who you've heard before, Serena. Hello. Hey, Serena. Hi. Today, we're going to be talking about all things body positivity in marketing. Now, this has been an interesting one for the team altogether because there's a balancing act when you think about body positivity between how much of a personal aspect it is and how much can actually be represented in marketing. I know for me, the first time I started thinking about it and how not controversial, lack of a better word, but I remember when H and was it H&M or Nike? Probably Nike had a mannequin and it was of someone of a fuller figure. And the internet was just all over the place. They were like, oh my goodness, how could you do that? But from a marketing perspective, I was like, that makes sense. Everyone was calling it work culture, but I'm like, you want to sell clothes to people who are going to work out, people who want to change their body, be it for good, bad, or want to get fit, come in all shapes and sizes. So why not have a mannequin that, you know, actually looks at individuals that buy your clothing? What were your thoughts? When did, when did it first hit you about body positivity and marketing, Serena? Yeah, when it first hit me, I guess it, it's quite funny, actually. I was watching um, Drummer Got Guan. Yeah, and um, watching his show and how he was helping women feel more comfortable in their bodies and confident and um, showing them clothes that, you know, made them feel really good. And it was at that point that I thought, why don't the mannequins and shops kind of reflect that? Especially, I think the average size in the UK for a woman is size 16. But then all the clothes that we're seeing are on are on really thin mannequins. And even when you look at adverts or, you know, or campaigns or anything, the women that are wearing the clothes often look a certain way, which is, you know, very slim, usually white. Yeah. And usually blonde. Blonde, thin and white is tends to be the situation. We talked about it in the period campaigns a few episodes back of like, when you think of the model for a campaign, you think of, oh, I can't remember all their names, but Heidi Klum, Twiggy, all these mm. super skinny. And times have changed. People are very aware that though that's not the representation of society. Like you said, size 16 is the average size. And I feel like post, post the pandemic and post COVID-19, size 16 is no longer the average size, probably more 18, to be honest, because we had two years of not moving. And if you're trying to reach the audience, it's an interesting balance when it's the marketing context, though, because you have the whole, do you want to give them an aspirational, quote unquote, image to go for or Mm. something that's relatable to them now? What are your thoughts on the aspirational aspect? Gosh, I mean, I it's difficult. I think a lot of the time when they have this, you know, aspirational image, it's not achievable for most people and um all it does is result in insecurities and body issues and you know I mean you, you've only got to look at Victoria's Secret and I remember I showed you the song that came out recently about how you know this this woman felt that oh Victoria's Secret caused a lot of body issues for her and um 
yeah, I, I think the ideal is just not achievable for most people. And who's to say anyway that that is perfection or that is what we should be striving for? It exactly. Because when it comes to marketing, we could literally create whoever the persona is that we want. So this whole idea of there being an ideal in society versus wanting to evoke an emotion in someone just doesn't make sense when it comes to like advertising it. And it's funny you mention the Victoria's Secret aspect because I was speaking to someone and there was a Vogue photo shoot that came out a few months ago that had a whole bunch of dark skin models and everyone was super excited. And I just turned to this person, I'm like, oh, they've done the Victoria's Secret runway trope where they're super, super dark skin. Majority of them are short, have bald heads or really short. And it's just, there's no intersectionality with that representation, even when it comes to plus size and fuller figured women. Mm. And I'm, I'm being very specific by saying women as well, because I think I could only possibly think of when it comes to men in advertising, it goes to two avenues, either the fit, you know, six pack model man or the dad bod. But both feel like I, and I'm speaking from a point of bias, I feel like I get both equally. Like, mm. I feel like I've seen as much dad bods as I have seen six pack bods. But when it comes to women in advertising, I could only think of a few campaigns and they were probably special campaigns that had fuller figured or plus size women. Yeah. It's so interesting when you look at that intersectionality. Yeah, definitely. How do you feel the representation been? Like through the research that you've done, what have you found in terms of plus size and full figured? Um, So there are definitely brands that are, you know, trying to include more full figured women and, you know, show a variety of bodies. So I think we were looking at Airy. So they were so basically 35 women were shown six ads from Aerie and were asked about how these ads made them feel. And they they are more inclusive. They've got, you know, women from women of different shapes and sizes. And the result was is that most women felt happier about their bodies and felt that the models were relatable. So they they're getting this positive association with the brand. And um, they even said that they'd be more likely to support the company. So there are brands out there that are doing this and they are seeing positive results and they are getting loyalty from customers as well for being more authentic and for being more relatable. I definitely am seeing more of them. One of my favorite recent brands is Yitty by Lizzo. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I noticed uh, Lizzo has done is that when you look at the sizing, it starts at 6X. And then you have to scroll down for extra small. And I'm just like, duh. Just, just, <laughs> it, it shouldn't be. And it, it goes back to so many things that I'm just like, either be alphabetical or something. There's just some logic in aspect. If your target marketing is filler figure individuals, why are you putting them to the bottom of the size selection list? And even exactly. that thinking could just it changes the way that they think about marketing because when they're putting together their campaigns, everything, it's like, oh, we start here. It's not that we don't include um, super small or extra small. We cater for that, but our priority is X. Our priority are these individuals. And yeah, I really found that interesting how Lizzo and Yiddy have incorporated that brand value throughout. Mm. Yeah, it's such, I mean, 
when you think about it, it's such an obvious shift to make, but you know, it's not something that's been done really. So yeah, that's really, really interesting. It's it's fascinating how far we've come. Cause I also remember, and I don't know if you had the experience, you talked about um, Gokwang. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Apologies if I haven't. But I also remember the days of America's Next Top Model. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I feel like that show kind of encapsulates what the marketing industry was focused on at the time. Yes. And how far we have come to where we can now look back at it. And this is what happens whenever we look back at campaigns. Like if we look back, when we looked back at period campaigns and we look back, we can see our development. I don't think history should allow us when we're looking back at practices of marketing in the past to really bash people, but just to celebrate that now we know better. Exactly. Right. Yes. I do think back to America's Next Top Model and um, you always see clips on YouTube, you know, people discussing <laughs> what was going on in that episode and how shocking it is now. But, you know, just little things like there was one model that was a UK size 10 um, and, you know, they were labeling her plus size at the time and also not kind of being negative about it. You know, oh, we don't really know if she can succeed as a model because she's you know not as thin as the others she's plus size but she's not that plus size half her body seems to be plus size and half her body seems to be you know thin and what they wanted and it was really strange to see them kind of tear this woman apart for Mm -hmm. having a normal body Mm -hmm. and even that whole debate that as a model, she wouldn't get work because she was a size 10. It's such a long thing because then you think about the production and the clothing and what they're creating and the sizes that they're creating in bulk. Mm-hmm. And then you have this whole demand of people wanting bigger sizes, but you're saying that it's not going to sell, but you haven't put the effort in to even market it to know that it's, it's, it's so many layers to it. And But using hindsight and what we have now and that they're brands like Aerie and Yitty that are out there, selling and creating profit from marketing to full-figured plus-size individuals that actually reminds me I feel like there's a shift about to happen with terminology and language in general because I I remember when we were looking at the blog before we recorded I was just like I don't even remember if people still use the term plus-size and how that's gonna because plus-size is still suggesting that there's a normal size and this is on top of it yes yeah and if a brand is trying to be fully size inclusive there should be and there probably is better language out there for them to include everyone rather than making it seem like you're an add-on yeah it's true that word plus size it doesn't feel entirely comfortable you're right it just makes it sound like yeah something additional um to the norm so yeah it's interesting because how again language imagery the fact they were called they were calling a size 10 person America's next top model plus size and how you can go from size 10 to size 18 and that apparently is plus size so what's past 18 if everyone's average is 16 (laughs) what is the rest like um but it's interesting the language that brands use when they're referring to their customers because I do feel that there is 
a shift towards using terminology that has been previously used in a negative light yeah if your audience embraces it so like the era of the word fat has gone through many different phases and being spelt in many different ways but I feel like the era of that is coming back well I feel it's coming back from my experience on TikTok (laughs) are you seeing have you seen any brands been using it or referring to it or even influencers um no I have I mean there's a lot more positivity around you know having more weight and things like that I've seen where you know there's this celebration of Mm -hmm. your body um but not particularly no not with brands I've not seen anyone really use the word fat in branding so far but that could just be because I've not been exposed to it I mean who knows the algorithms have a lot of power they do (laughs) but I've definitely seen more influencers using it um when they're doing sponsored posts um I've seen influencers speak about when brands have sent them stuff and they say oh this is fat girl friendly um or curvy body friendly and incorporating it into how they're talking about the brand rather Mm. than plus size But the other aspect that we put together in our blog about body positivity was just doing it without it being a fanfare, fanfare, that word, (laughs) and (laughs) implementing it without it being a whole campaign. I've definitely seen that where they're like, oh, we're going to do plus size now. It's like, um, you should have done it at the start, no? Oh, exactly. Yeah. It shouldn't be this big major thing. Um. And also it's about being authentic too. You, you we get some brands that, you know, will obviously start saying, oh, we're, we're introducing plus size um, clothing, but then don't actually stock them. So again, I mean, we're going back to Victoria's Secret, but there was a whole, you know, uh, thing where they were promoting lingerie for plus size women. But when you went to go find them, to go buy them, they weren't really available. So yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, you have to also be authentic and your brand actually has to serve the people that you're now promoting mm-hmm. to. And work with them as well. Um, an influencer I know, I, I don't know if I can say she's my friend, but <laughs> has worked with Nike to help them create new bras. And just seeing like, obviously, because we're friends on Instagram, I can see the behind the scenes and stuff. And the journey I've seen that they've gone on developing the bras and the sports bras with her to having her in the campaigns, to having her like bring in other, because then I'm seeing people that I know that she works with in those campaigns. It's like, it's not just the end aspect. You can't just come out and say, okay. And if you're a marketer as well, and someone's saying, hey, we need to start advertising for body inclusivity and advertising to um this market Mm. and you can look back at the product and see it doesn't fit that market call them out call out the companies be like actually we're not just going to do this for the sake of doing it Mm. it's just mm, they they take that step and it's just it's inauthentic like you said when you're just doing it for the sake of doing it exactly and then you lose customers you lose their trust you lose their loyalty Mm -hmm. Mm. what what let's say three tips would you give to a brand or organization who's looking to step into that body positivity, body inclusivity within their marketing? So to actually think 
beyond just race and size. So, you know, and definitely, as you say, to be a bit more intersectional, um, but also to remember that there are disabled bodies too. There are, you know, trans bodies. There is a surprising lack of representation kind of across the board with when it comes to bodies that are not thin um, or white. So it's to just, yeah, consider what, you know, what bodies exist and actually include them, not just go for say, hey, um, let's include a person with darker skin and that's it, or just to only have dark skin people. It's it's really about thinking about your full audience and yeah, including them and thinking about what different bodies actually include. Mm-hmm. And that's such a good point because a lot of body positivity focuses on size, but that's also representation for the disabled community. I And speaking, going back to America's Next Top Model, I remember when they had the model with Figaligra. Figaligra? Oh, I can't pronounce that properly. I'm trying to remember her name as well. It's gone completely from my brain. But that was so revolutionary in an era where she was still thin, still mm-hmm. stick skinny, um, but because she had the skin disability or skin difference, um, everyone's like, oh my God, she's so unique. But it was still holding other standards. It was like, okay, let's see how else we can continue to include the disabled community in various different ways when it comes to body positivity, not just the pretty, full-figured woman. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. It's not that they have to tick every other box and there's only one difference and that works. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite, there's a couple of resources, but there's a stock photography website called um, Body Liberation. And they provide stock photos of just different bodies, plus size, disabled, amputees, wheelchair users, just variety. And I'm starting to see their content be incorporated into the larger stock photo platforms. But I think that's a a good tip for a smaller marketer. If you're using stock photos and you're not seeing differences in your generic sites, there's sites out there that have it. I also think another Mm -hmm. tip would probably be anyone working with influencers. The one thing I can say about influencers who are, again, who use this whole the average or whatever, but body positive, they have wide audiences, their audiences tend to trust them. So I'm speaking from experience on this and I do pull from my experience in my marketing content as well. But as someone who's six foot four, I will trust an influencer with a hundred followers who's six foot four versus an influencer who's five foot seven with a million. I will buy whatever that one with a hundred followers says. I have a lot more brand loyalty to them because they are closer to my actual lived experience than this person with mass following. Um, Not saying that people from marginalized background tend to have smaller followings, but I'm just trying to give an example of when you're working with influencers who are a lot more practically relatable. Mm. I said, yeah, I think practically relatable is the best way I can describe it because there's relatable in personality but relatable in lifestyle and I feel like a lot of this is a whole other tangent but sometimes influencers could go past that relatability when they get wealthy yeah (laughs) (laughs) they're no longer shopping in the same places their audience is shopping which is fine and everyone deserves everything but a practical relatableness is a, a, a huge selling point for a lot of people Mm. I also is there any so you mentioned Erie what Erie oh pronounced it wrong 
what do they sell and tell me one thing you like about them and then I'll talk about Yiri and we can we can wrap it up from there yep so Airy sell lingerie and what I like about them is of course that they're showing lingerie on normal women (laughs) women that you know I can look at and say hey you know she looks a little like me and if it looks good on her you know it'd probably look good on me and it's nice to see that and to think that the products that they're selling you know are for for me and for everyone so yeah it's it's um it's making it look achievable as well. If someone that looks like you or has a body like yours and they're looking good in the lingerie, I mean, it's the lingerie that's good. You're going to buy it. <laughs> it's, yeah, wholly achievable. It is nothing like seeing someone and like, ooh, that person looks like me. I could look like that. And making that equation versus, oh, they're so I need to be this way in order to look that good. It's like, no. You look good, they look good, everyone looks good. Mm. <laughs> I love it. And then the brand I want to shout out is Yiri by Lizzo, um, which is she's doing shapewear and like fitness wear and stuff like that. I like it for various reasons. Obviously, there's going to be some um, celebrity aspect to why it's doing well. But I think outside of the celebrity aspect, outside of the attachment to Lizzo, I think a brand taking this positioning that shapewear should be comfortable mm. is like spandex and spanx and all of those have been around for so long but that shaper should be comfortable and help you shape your body not constrict your body is revolution and the content you can create around that because then you're not focusing a lot of shapewear marketing content focuses on making them look thinner and sucking them in and it's like no this is your body your body's beautiful let's you know put you in some shapewear that will just emphasize the beauty you already have so that's what i love about yiddy um, and it's also a cool name. <laughs> also from the jump, they're not shy to use models that actually wear their stuff. No, it doesn't look like things are photoshopped. Again, I am not a photographer, so I cannot tell. Um, and I enjoyed on the celebrity aspect and the fact that it's attached to Lizzo. I enjoyed her commitment to making sure if someone talks about Yiddy, especially on TikTok, Lizzo is clapping for them. Lizzo is celebrating them. Lizzo is saying encouragement things about them mm. whereas I feel like shapewear brands in the past whenever endorsed with, by celebrities you were always made to feel like you need to do more but a certain brand comes to mind where it feels like even if you bought their products you still yep. want as good as them mm, and it's, yeah it's like no you don't want your customers feeling like that you want them to be part of a community that's how you're going to get longevity anywho and on that note Uh, Thank you for tuning in to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. You've been listening to myself, Joanne Boyce and... Serena. And we've been talking about all things body positivity. Feel free to check out our blog on arimaandcompany.com and tune in soon for another episode. 